Well, years ago, uh, missionaries landed in a remote jungle village. Uh, They visited these traveled people to observe their customs and their culture and to see how they could maybe bring the gospel to them. Uh, As they were observing everything that was going on in this tribe, they realized at the center of the tribe was a pole. And this pole seemed to have tremendous power over the people in the village. Uh, The people would come out and they would lay food at the bottom of this pole. This pole had been carved uh, to reflect sort of uh, uh, some sort of person. It had like eyes and had a nose and had a mouth and it had wings. And um, people believed in this village that when, when things went well for them, this pole was happy. And when things went bad for them, this pole was angry. And they started to organize their life and come up with this sort of rituals and, and customs to make sure that the pole would not become angry. They always sought the pole's blessing upon their lives. They, they wanted to enjoy the blessing from their God. Now, quick question, uh, and I'm, I'm hoping for better audience participation than last time. Uh, how many people think that's crazy? I mean, who does that, right? Who organizes their life and, and, and creates all this uh, hype and attention and gives all their resources and times to something that is so obviously contrived? So obviously made up, so obviously insignificant. It's a pull. It's so um, uh, common, isn't it? Like alien slime. I get that. All right, just being honest, I get that. If ever there was like radioactive slime that was talking to us, I'd be like, all right, guys, there's something here. So we need to explore this a little bit, right? Let's just kind of figure this out. But a pull. We're like, yeah. We get that. That was a tree at one point. Like, why make that into a God? A common God. It can't possibly be divine. But what I want to explore today with you is, the, is this idea. I want to suggest to you today is that I think we are all guilty in one way or another of this same common God syndrome. We have a lot of gods in this world today. We don't, we obviously don't call them that. We, we, um, we think of them more as important things in our life, things that, that are just special that to us that, that create a, a, better, a better life for us. But functionally, these things are gods. They're the little things that become really big things in our mind and they rule our actions and our attitudes. I was reminded uh, just this past week of one god that I want to propose to you today in our society. It just turned 10 years old. Um, it's this little device that'll connect you everywhere you want to go with whoever you want to be connected with. Do you know what I'm talking about? 10 years old, it is the, wow, you guys are on it. Yeah, the iPhone. 10 years old, guys. 10 years old. Which means, this is incredible, which means the last time that you were without a camera was a decade ago. Last time you didn't have your flashlight, last time you had to open up your Rand McNally Atlas, do you remember those? Some of you can, you can take those out of your car now. You're like, it's appropriate. You can, get, you, can get, you can go on the trip without them. The last time you opened a map was 10 years ago. How, how did we live before? How did we ever function before? iPhone has, has this ability. The last time um, you held in your hand a Polaroid picture, you got, you got your picture, right? The last time you held one of these in your hand was 10 years ago, probably. Life has, has absolutely changed, and this, um, this device, this little iPhone, I, I, my message is not at all about it. I just want to point out the fact that it becomes godlike to us. 
It has so many characteristics of, of being godlike, first and foremost. It's omnipresent. Um, millions of these on every continent around the world. It's um, omniscient. It has the entirety of human knowledge at our fingertips. For me, every message I've ever preached, every book in my library, I can access on my iPhone. It's amazing. It blows my mind. It is, um, it is the height of omnipotence with more computing power than NASA had when it landed a man on the moon. Can you imagine that? Like if NASA had your iPhone back in the 60s, what could they have done? We would have gone to like different galaxies. And the iPhone's not a god, nor is it God, but, but if we look at the design of the iPhone, we see so many behaviors in society that, that draw us to a religious or worshipful experience of one of our common gods. How, how do you know that you worship something? Well, how do you act when you leave it behind? I don't know about you, but I've left my iPhone on my countertop before. And literally, this is what we say. We say things like, I feel naked without my phone. Bro, if you feel naked with anything except for clothes, you've got an issue. Can we all just agree? Like, if something that's not clothing makes you feel naked, you've got an issue. It's a God. And, and so, so if the phone's not a God, if even the, the company Apple is not a God, what is the God of the iPhone? You know, what's great about it is they put it in the name. I. Me. My iPhone allows me to tap into the God that I love the most in life, myself. It allows me to see how many people like my life. I can gain affirmation. I can gain approval. I can gain love through my iPhone. Ten years ago, um, you didn't know what a selfie was. In fact, if you saw somebody taking a picture of themselves 10 years ago, you'd say, my, they don't have anybody, they probably don't have any friends. That poor person, look at them taking a picture of themselves. And nowadays, you see somebody taking a selfie, and you think to yourself, like, wow, they've got to have a lot of friends on social media to take a picture of themselves. That person's probably really popular. The worst is if you see somebody take a selfie and look at it and realize they didn't take it the right way. So the angle changes a little bit. You ever watch this? Watching this one phenomenon shows us how clearly we are self-absorbed and self-obsessed in our society today. And it draws out the fact that our God of the iPhone is truly this approval spirit within me. And I'm just choosing to pick on the iPhone here, one among many gods in this world that highlight the reality that our gods look like us because they're designed by us to make us the center of attention. And this is true of the many gods that we have in the world. They're created by us to look like us, to exist for us. Some people have the god of sports, which reveals itself in season tickets and an 80-inch TV and a man cave. And some of us have the god of money, which reveals itself in an unhealthy workaholic attitude. And others of us have the god of consumerism, and we find that we medicate our lives so quickly on Amazon Prime Day. But if we look carefully at what we worship, we find quickly whatever that thing is that we're finding our value in becomes a mirror for our own hearts. Why? Because all of our common gods are created in our own likeness. So if the world is filled with 
little gods that we've created to represent ourselves and our own individuality. What is it then? We have to ask the question, if the world's filled with all these common gods that we all have and we all, we all experience, what is it that separates the common gods from God the Father? Like, what is it that changes what we're doing here from just being another self-obsessed, self-infused moment of importance for ourselves to being something transcendent between us and God? What is it that separates our worship of the White Sox and the Cubs from the worship of the Almighty God? That's the title that I want to bring to your attention today is this simply this uncommon God. My aim today is just to show you how uncommon our God is. In a world filled with common gods, we have one God who is uncommon, unlike any other God in the world. These common gods are the things that we celebrate and give our time and attention and resources to and we worship them. But certainly in the sea of other gods, there's something that makes our God Almighty unique. And so I want you to join me in Genesis chapter 1. We go all the way back to the beginning today. Genesis chapter 1, I'm going to show you just two verses I want to pull this out of today. Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 and 27. And I'm so excited about this message today about our uncommon God because I think as we go through this, you're going to see how our uncommon God creates something uncommon among us. And my hope is that it can be a turning point for our campus and as a church that we might be also be uncommon. And as a bit of um, pastoral insecurity, I, I do want to confess to you I have nothing but simple observations today. Nothing but simple observations out of the text that are just simply put into our lives, but I think radically change how we live. Simple, simple truths pulled out of God's word that radically change our lives. And so I want to dive in with you. Genesis 1, 26 and 27. Are you there? You have that in front of you? Thanks. The entire creation account gives such a rich nuance of how God created the world, how, how he created everything and its design, and certainly it shares on how humanity came about. But it also shows us something about the heart of God. Check this out. Um, verse 26. Then God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness. Verse 27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Right out of the gate, what makes our God uncommon? Well, it's, it's very simple, so simple. Um, I, I hope you can follow this. He created us. We didn't create him. What makes our God unique? Well, every God that we have in this world is created by a human hand or a human mind or a human soul. Everything that reflects our own individuality, our own desires, our own wants is created by us. And yet we see that our God, our almighty God, is not created by human hands, not created by human minds, not, not created by human souls. In fact, it's completely the other way around. He, he made us. We didn't make him. Bend your mind to that for a second. All of us who are creatives in this room, all of us who are, are used to creating something, who are used to being the masters of our creations, who approach God as if he's something that we found, that we created, that we explored, that we got to. The reality is when you, when you truly grasp the simplicity of the fact that God created us, that we didn't create him, it means that we didn't make him up. But more than that, 
He has always been. Our God is the existent, eternal, all-present, all-infinite God. And you're like, Dan, I know you've got a master's degree in theology. Certainly you could have come up with something a little bit more um, shock and awe than just the fact that, um, surprise, you were made by God. But think about it. If God was the result of our creative imagination, he would be like every other God in this world. You could, you could literally put him on stage next to L. Ron Hubbard and next to uh, Richard Dawkins and you could have the pole of the missionary uh, uh, village and you could even with this God celebrate Festivus if you wanted to. And he would make no difference in this world. He would make no difference in our lives. But our God, the uncommon God, he determined to make man and woman male and female. And already he is unlike any other God because he is the creator God. He is the immortal, eternal God. So that's just the first thing I want to draw out to your attention is, is simply this. Is what makes our God unique is, is that already the paradigm's flipped. We don't create him, he created us. But if you look at Genesis 1 again, um, there's something pretty crazy happening here. Genesis 1, 26. Just, just kind of keep that in front of you. And um, let's, read that, let's read that again together. Can we put that back on the screen? Genesis 1, 26. Then God said, Let us make man in our image. Now, I don't mean to pick apart the words of our almighty God. But us? Um, God, who are you talking to? Like the beginning of the world, who's around for you to, to, be, to be speaking with and talking to? I mean, Genesis 1 actually reads like a conversation of a crazy person. There's nothing around. And God speaks. If ever you see me while I'm by myself in a moment of solitude saying things about myself in the uh, first person plural, you should call the elders and then get me help to a doctor right away. Saying things like, we are hungry today. We really want Chipotle. Carnitas makes us happy. <laughs> right, right? Like, like, you'd be like, whoa, dude. Like, 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 let us make man in our image. And like, sure, God, you, you, you have the power to speak however you want. But it's a little bit off, isn't it? It's a little bit weird. It's kind of like, well, 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 well who does that? Uh, scholars who, who have dug into such things will tell us that uh, this isn't God being crazy. In fact, this is a reference to what, what we call in theology is, is the Trinity. Now, now, before you all like roll your eyes to the back of your head and kind of check out, I promise you that this point's going somewhere. Um, the Trinity, the triune Godhead. Our, our God, did you know this? Our God is one God. Amen? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's like basic uh, Deuteronomy right there. Deuteronomy 6, 4 says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And yet, this God, one God, one in essence, is, is also multiple in, in persons. We have God the Father, we have God the Son, we have God the Holy Spirit. They're all the same God. They're, they're all equally God. God. God the Father is God. God the Son is God. God the Spirit is God. 
And yet they are not all the same. You see, the, the Son is not the Father. And the Spirit is not the Son. They are all one God. They are all equally God. But they are uh, different in their, in their personhood. They are indivisible and yet totally united. And we're not pantheists, we're monotheists, that, that our God is one in essence, three in person. So, so really, scholars tell us that, that let us, it is truly Father, Son, Holy Spirit, make man in our Father, Son, Holy Spirit image. I'm trying to draw, draw all of this out for us in, in sort of a painstaking way to show us the striking thing about God when something like this happens, when we see this, the way that he made us. I want you to see this so clearly, that in creation, how he created us, we see this, that God himself is a community. Do you see that? Let us make man in our own image is a reference to the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, community that exists within the Trinity. Hey, newsflash, God is in relationship with himself. Did you know that? That God in his plurality, in his, in his, his plural personhood, is representative of a community. That God has always acted this way. If you look at the Gospel of Luke, we see Jesus is baptized in the River Jordan. Lake Michigan would have been cooler, but it was reserved for the day. So he's baptized in the River Jordan, and God the Father at his baptism speaks, right? And he speaks, he says, this is my son who I love and am well pleased and the Spirit descends like a dove. In one picture, you see God the Father, you see God the Son, you God the Holy Spirit. In the next picture, in Luke chapter 4, the, Jesus is led into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And who leads him? The Spirit. And, and all the while he's there, who, who guides him? Well, it's the word of God the Father, which allows him to have victory over the enemy. Time and time again, we see inside this community, there is order, there is subordination, there is all of these, 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 these standards within this community, and yet we see so clearly that God himself is a community. He is a united, indivisible community. So what makes our God so unique? What makes him so uncommon? Well, our God is unlike any other God because he exists in and of himself, for himself, in his own community. You know, the closest that I think we've ever come in, this, in the cosmos is, is the idea, the Greek mythology that underlies their pantheon of gods. And yet those gods are not united. Those gods are often at war with one another. Those gods are, are tearing each other apart, causing havoc throughout the cosmos. And yet our God is united. Our God is, indistingu is, is, is indivisible and yet distinguishable. He is a God who is connected deeply to his community. Why? Because he is a community. And I don't know about you, but um, the creation of mankind seems like a really strange point to pull out this Trinitarian argument. And yet, in the creation of man, I hope that you're already there in your mind. I hope you see this. Why, why does God show us that, that he is a community at our creation? Well, it's very simple. Because our uncommon God, who wasn't created by us, and who isn't like us, he himself is a community. He created us to represent his image in this world, which means that you and I reflect God's community. 
The creation of mankind is where God chooses to say, hey, we're going to make mankind, human beings, in our image is the word. You have, hopefully, in your hands, our, our ushers did a good job of being the paparazzi today. Thank you for your kindness to them as they took your picture. You're holding uh, an image in your hand. You just pull it out if you have it, just to kind of look at it. You can kind of look at the person next to you and tell them, like, man, you look really good. That's a great picture. You should put that on, you should put that on Instagram. Some of you are like, oh, cool, a physical Instagram. This is great. This is the original, by the way. And uh, this is an image. It's an image of your likeness, right? This shows you physically what you look like. Uh, if you've ever Facebook stalked anybody, which 99% of you have, uh, if you've ever Facebook stalked someone before you've ever met them, you, you've got to know their image. You've gotten to see what they're like and the situations that they put themselves in and, and who's around them and maybe some of their friendships, people that have also been imaged with that person. It's a physical image. This doesn't tell you much about my personality. It doesn't tell you much about my amazing sense of humor. It doesn't tell you any of that. That was a joke, which highlights my point. My wife is dying. You can't, you can't tell much from this picture. You might say, like, oh, that person looks like somebody that I'd hang out with. But nonetheless, if I walked into the room after you'd seen my image, you would say, oh, hey, hey, there, there he is. That's Dan Jacobson. Like, uh, I actually had this happen to me um, when Kristen and I got married. We, we were at a wedding up in Rockford where Kristen's from, and I was sitting at a table. I knew nobody around there, and this guy came up to me. and He goes, hey, you're Dan Jacobson, aren't you? I seen you on Facebook. <laughs> and that was the day I got rid of Facebook. See, we, we get the point. All of us have an image. All of us uh, have representations at some point. And, and so God says amongst himself in Genesis 1, he says, let us make man in our image. Why? Because there's going to be this representation of God in the world that is going to reflect the nature and the character of who God is. And, and so check this out. It's you and me. It's humanity made in the image of God. To, to represent the way that God is, the way that he thinks, the way that he, he, he feels, the way that he, he has volitional will. And today, what I want to just draw out for you is the fact that we have a God who exists in community. And so you and I were created in his image to long for and to want that connection in community. We are created by our uncommon God to exist in community with, with connection to one another, dependence upon one another, a, a distinction from one another, and yet an indivisibility from one another, an unexplainable unity. We are community beings, which is really scary for us because the story of America has often been one of creating this giant community set apart of these isolated individuals. The rugged individual. Where you can be a part of our country and have your own farm and just be left alone. And, 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 and today, how many people feel like they're a lost soul swimming in a fishbowl? So, the message of the Bible for us today is this. You are not an isolated individual living in close proximity to other people. You were designed to need one another. You were designed by our God, our uncommon God, to draw us into community with one another. 
You say, Dan, um, that's two verses. Where else in the Bible does that idea come up? Well, I just have you turn the page to Genesis chapter 2. And God looks around at all of the creation. And he says, good, 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 good. And then he gets to man. You remember this? He gets to Adam and he, and he, he goes, huh, I created this man and he's single and that's not good. And all the single guys were like, amen. That's my Bible verse right there. It's not good for Adam to be alone. Don't use that as a pickup line, guys, but the theology's good. And so what does God do? He, he evaluates it. He, he, says, he says, it's not good for man to be alone, as if to say, like, of all the things that I made, like, this one's incomplete. Like, this, one's, this one needs, there's something missing here. Like, like what else? What, what else? There's no suitor, uh, helper suitable for Adam amongst all that God had created. And so God creates woman. And he does such a good job. Amen. Right? He does such a good job that Adam's like, yes, I can commune with her. Like, that catches my eye, God. Like, like, like she has got something I don't got. And so, Adam and Eve are born. And the family is born. And the nations are born. And relationships are born. And community. Community is born. A little review, and then I want to give some practical applications for an otherwise theoretical message here. Just follow along with me here. Uh, we create gods in our own image, but God created us in his. We create common gods in our isolation, but God created us in his community. We create common gods for our purposes, but God created us for his purpose. And we create common gods to make ourselves look great, but God created us to show others that he already is great. And let me just use the phone illustration one more time to go back to this just and work your way through this. See how it works with our common gods. You see, the iPhone, it shows me how great I am. Look, a notification, somebody sent you a text, somebody like a picture, somebody sent you a message, somebody Snapchatted you. It allows me to hide in isolation in my own world where I can be independent from everybody else. Certainly you've had that experience where you've been out to dinner or out to lunch and you've seen a whole entire group of teenagers around a table together with all their phones out and they're texting people who aren't even in the room. All together in a crowd but totally isolated. Allows me to, I'll talk to you when I want on my own terms. I want uh, the iPhone to allow me the platform to show off my perfect life to make me look great. So we shoot out pictures of ourselves. Let me show you how amazing I am. Look at this vacation. Look at my kids. Look at my new car. Look at this puppy. Look at my new boyfriend. Look at, look at all these things that show you how great I am. And we do all of this to worship the, uh, the, the altogether common God of me. To make me feel just a little bit better. And this type of life, this common life, is so shallow and it's time and time again left wanting and empty. Um, this past week, one of YouTube's greatest sensations, her name is, um, was Stevie Ryan. She's a huge celebrity on YouTube. She, um, she committed suicide. Stevie Ryan was an image icon. She projected this modern sense of sex appeal, for lack of a better word, 
apparent perfection. She had viral videos. Her life looked great from all accounts. She had money, relationships. But the days before she ended her life, she had posted a few things in her, in her Twitter timeline, yearning for a deeper sense of community. You see, our, our gods, our common gods, always pull us into isolation. They always pull us away from the way that God created us. This is what happens when you see your friends start giving up on the things that are important in life to chase a bad romance. To, to go down this, this road that you know is going to lead you away from all that you know is good and holy and right to chase something that you in your own heart of hearts just desperately desire. And connection is not a bad thing, but seeking for it in the wrong place is always a dangerous thing because when we create a God out of something, it just pulls us away from the community. And in Stevie Ryan's just, just end days there, she highlighted for us so clearly, it was so clear in, in our, if you're, if you're at all keeping up with culture, how clearly we see the God of me in social media is always found lacking. And so check this out. Our uncommon God creates us for what we desire the most. And not only does he create us for it, he provides it for us. And this is where I want to take us over the next few weeks starting today. If, if we have a, an uncommon God, what does that mean for us as a church? See, See, this community right here, we use that word all the time to reflect what this place is. This is a community. This is the place that God is at work. He's drawing people from all corners of Porter and Lake County to this room right here and this, this gathering right here. But, but certainly, we don't gather together today just to say true things about God. We don't gather together today just to sing good things about our God. We don't gather together today just to pray nice words to our God. No, all of those things you don't, need, you don't need community for. But you know what you need community for is relationships. One of the foundary, foundational principles of what the church is that Jesus is creating is a brand new community with uncommon relationships. See, our uncommon God creates us in an uncommon community to have uncommon relationships. Our uncommon God is absolutely interested in uncommon relationships. And see, church is a community that is centered around the mission and the victory of Jesus whose death and his resurrection created this new community. And since our God is not common, this community ought not be common. And this is a special place. Why? Because it's a special place that no matter what, we all belong. God, in his creation, let, let us make man in our own image, is creating for us, those who image him, a place to image him. He, he, he not only puts himself within us and his image is reflected through us, but he says, as you gather, as you come together, as you, in, in Christ, as you put your faith in Jesus, you will be creating a new kind of community, an uncommon community, something that's absolutely rare in this world with, with, with uncommon relationships. And those relationships mirror the relationships found in, in the Trinity, that they might be united, different in their, in their, in their persons, but united in their essence. I've said this a couple times in different sermons in different environments around our church, and if you come to Discover Bethel, this is one of the things I say, 
is just a reason that I love the church. I love the church because where else? Where else do all of us show up? Uh, Rob, you're my, you're my, it's okay if I talk about you for a second. You're smirking. But Rob, Rob, you're a Cubs fan. And I don't ever understand that about you, man. Like, it just baffles my mind how you could root for that team. And Rob, you likewise look at me and you're like, you're a Sox fan, dude. Like, what up? Come on. And so, like, what other place can you and I just set aside our differences and say, like, that's all totally secondary. Like, that doesn't matter. And we can joke about it on an obviously continual basis together. Why? Because it doesn't matter. I, I see uh, our friends, the, the, the fries, are here. And um, you guys are serving in Peru. Can we just hear it for them? I didn't know that all y'all would be here today. Uh, and yet, the communities that you serve in Peru, like, where else do you fit in in Peru? Just, just truly. And and yet, where else do you fit in here as well? You see, see, where else do all of us have different backgrounds, different, different uh, political leanings, different socioeconomical statuses, different jobs, different ways that we make money, different passions, different fears, different families? Uh, where else does every, everyone come from different outside, unconnected paths to come in but by the cross of Jesus Christ? See, it is the cross of Jesus that created this community where you and I come together and all of our differences are laid aside because we all find the common ground that we are sinners in need of a Savior and that Christ has changed our lives. You see, Christ, through his death on the cross, opened up a way for us to have access to God the Father in a relationship. And today, we experience that not by Christ living in our hearts, but, but remember, it's, it's the Spirit that dwells in you. Our salvation is so thoroughly Trinitarian. Why? Because it draws us into this Trinitarian community. And so you and I are created by God to exist in community with one another because our God is interested in uncommon relationships. And that is good news for the church. Because no matter what way we think society is going relationships are not becoming uncommon. They're becoming way more common. If you think about one of the ways that we work this out is that if you take time in the context of the church to plug in, not just like watching kids or like being in a small group, but I mean like, like truly get to know people's stories and people's lives. To, to get to that moment in their conversation where you understand like the base connection you have with Jesus Christ. One of the questions I ask almost every person that walks through Discover Bethel or through my house is just tell me a little bit about your, your relationship with Jesus. Like if you can get to that level in your relationships, all of a sudden things get really uncommon in a good way. You, you start to be knit together in love. You start to want to pray for one another. You start to want to serve one another. You start to want to, want to seek the best of that person. You, you want to encourage that person. You want to see their marriages thrive. You want to see their businesses thrive. You want to see their home thrive. And in a world that is so oriented on, look at me, click on this thing, make, like my thing, and, and, and here, let's have a friendship that, that doesn't ever, ever go past surface level. In that type of world, Christian relationships truly are, if we're doing it right, uncommon. And it doesn't take much for the church to shine in the midst of this type of world. And so the call today, 
just the challenge that I want to lay before us as a church over these next couple weeks is can we be an uncommon community? Can we be a church that is filled with uncommon relationships? All centered around the same Savior and yet celebrating the fact that each one of us has come here a little bit differently. You know, we've been uh, at this now as Bethel Hobart Portage for um, officially we launched our campus March 15th of 2015. So whatever that math is, two years and three months, four months. And my heart's desire as a pastor is that we might be united. We might know one another. You know, we, uh, we, we, it was a year ago that we split our church from having just one grand service to having two. Part of that is um, because our numbers don't sit, like we can't all fit in this room. But the other heart behind that was um, smaller circles make for better relationships. It's just always true. Smaller groups, smaller circles always help us find more that we can uh, mirror the image of God in with each other. We're going to talk more about that in the, in the future, but, but my heart over these next couple of weeks, I just want you to know this, is that we could, um, A, learn some names. Like, can we just start there? Not rhetorical. And can we learn some stories? Can we be a little vulnerable with each other? Can we take a step into community together? Um, there's like a whole strip of restaurants here on 6 that are begging for your patronage. And it'd be really cool if you and another family did that together. Um, how can we as a church mirror the image of God in our world? Because check this out, that's our purpose. Our purpose is to reflect the glory and the unity of our great God together. And that's what we're going to talk about the next two weeks. I've devoted two special services to just those, those things. But for now, here's the challenge. Um, you, you were um, snapped on the way in today. And maybe if you didn't get a picture taken, we'll have our cameras available. I want, you, I want you to have this. And this is your picture for you to take home if you're self-conscious about it. Mine looks like I'm totally bald, which is great. <laughs> We're going to get a backlit studio next time. A little makeup artist. Can you airbrush an Instagram? One of these things? What is this called? A Polaroid? I'm a millennial. What do I know? We took a picture of you on your way in today. And in many ways, I wanted you to have this as I was speaking because I wanted you to see what the image of you looked like. And I want you to know that this image is really, truly incomplete. This by itself is a picture of what the world celebrates. Just look at me, look how great I am. And yet, um, this, to God, is like opening up a Zappos box. You ordered shoes online and only finding that you got one of the shoes. You're like, something's missing here. This is it. What am I going to do with this? I'm just going to wear one shoe around? Like, this doesn't work. Because we were designed to be together. We're designed to know one another. We're designed to exist in this messy but beautiful thing called the church. And so, I want you to think about your picture right now. 
I want you to think about how you've been connected in the lives of other people around here. And for some of you, you're like nodding along with me the whole entire time. And I know like you've been connected, you've been coming, you've been invested, you, you've, you, you've been to hospitals, you've been to birthday parties, you've been to graduate, you've been, you've been in it and you know people and you're connected. And then there's others of us who, quite honestly, we, we just haven't been connected. And some of us, that's our fault. Like, we're, we're, we're just like, I don't want to be in this. I'm just kind of like, whoa, dude, like, this is the reason that I don't go to church is because I don't want to be pressured into something. And others of you, like, you haven't been connected. It's not your fault. Some life situation has happened where, where you just haven't been able to get around God's people. But, but today, I'm hoping that you would put uh, number two on your priority list today would be making a concerted effort every single week to get to God's house, to be with God's people, to worship God and image him together in community. So that's number two, Dan, what's number one? Well, the number one priority on your list has got to be removing yourself as the God of your life and putting God Almighty, the uncommon God, in that place. See, when you get that right, all of this flows into proper order. And so here's the call today. We're, we're going to dismiss in just a moment. You walked in today and you saw a twine hanging in the, in the uh, lobby in sort of this weird, eclectic, sort of incomplete way. And if you're hoping to take a step into community today, just as a, as a response to this message, here's what I want you to do. Our ushers have these little clothespins for you. And we tried to put the, the things low enough so that your kids aren't going to want to swat them all down, but you can also like clip it on there. And if you want to take a step, just take a stand and say, I'm here, I want to be in community. I recognize that my life is incomplete without connecting into others. I just want to create a little living art piece out in the lobby where symbolically we can just say, make that, make that declaration and say, hey, I'm in. I'm in. I want to be here. God, I know that the best days are ahead for me when I live in community. don't want to be in crowded isolation any longer. I want to know you by knowing others. I want to image you the way you created me to. And so uh, if that's you, I just want to encourage you, don't take this home. If it's an awful picture, we'll retake it. But don't take this home. I, wa I want you to, as an act of letting go of something that has your image on it, Put this on the string. Just as a way to say to God, hey, I know this is how you created me. I know this is what you want from me. And this is, this is risky, God. Relationships are always risky. But I want to trust you. And I want to see where this goes with these people together.